And the Apostle Paul, again, is trying to admonish us. And he does it in, a, in, a, in I think, a, a very systematic and good way. Uh, good. Systematic and understandable way that we can apply it. Amen? So let's pray. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26 is where we'll be if you're just tuning in, joining us. This is Hopewell Missionary Baptist Church Sunday School class. So glad to have you with us, both in person and virtually. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, <clears throat> we thank you so much for your grace, your mercy, your peace, for your power and your anointing. We thank you that in times like these is when we can turn just to you. Father, the old people used to say you will understand it better by and by. After a while, when the roll is called up yonder, you will understand it better by and by. We don't pretend to understand. We're sad while we're angry. We're upset while we're praying. We are hopeful while we're scared. We just need you right now, God, in a mighty, mighty way. Even so, come Lord Jesus. The whole earth, the whole universe groans in anticipation of the second coming of Christ. And you told us plainly in your word that before the end would come, it would be like this. That it would be abundantly evil because the enemy is so afraid of when you will return. So God, we pray against that spirit of murder, the spirit of destruction, the spirit of evil. We pray against that in the name of Jesus. We pray against people who are excuse makers in the name of Jesus. Oh God, we just ask for your grace and your mercy. We ask that you tell us what to pray, Holy Spirit. We don't know what to pray. We don't know what to pray anymore. We need you to teach us what to pray. Teach us how to pray. Articulate it for us to the very throne of God because we know you can. We believe you will. Oh God, if anybody ever wondered whether there was real evil in the world, real sin, we've seen it played out, not just in the past couple of weeks, but all the time. We need you, Lord. <clears throat> we need you like never before. Now, God, we pray for each family represented here, both in person and virtually. Not selfishly, Lord, but just because we know them, that you would protect them, God, from the forces of evil in this world. The, the, the really, Lord, we'll call it what it is, the devil. Father, we pray that you would give them comfort and peace, that they would not have a spirit of fear, because you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. Oh, God, we thank you for your life-giving spirit. Now, God, we thank you that as we've dealt with our individual issues this week, whether they are financial or spiritual or physical, we pray, God, that you would help us to get through it and to turn ever to you. You told us in your word that we come boldly to the throne to find grace for help in the time of need. Here we are boldly asking, Lord. You said you would give it to us liberally and you would upbraid us not. So here we are, God, at the foot of the cross. Here we are, God, at your, in your very throne room, praying for your leadership, praying for your guidance, praying for your peace, praying for your mercy, praying for your love, praying for your understanding, praying for your comfort, praying, God, that you hear our humble cry. Now, God, we pray for this assembly of saints 
here at Hopewell Missionary Baptist Church. We pray for Bishop Shields. We pray, God, for Elder Smiley as she delivers the word this morning. We pray, God, for the waiting congregation. God, let there be some man, some woman, some boy, some girl who comes running to the altar saying, I yield, I yield. I can't hold out any longer. I've heard the voice of God, and I'm responding yes. Now, God, we pray that you bless saints all over the world. Then we pray you bless the unsaved all over the world. We pray that you bless those who want to know you all over the world, and we pray you bless those who do not, that they might hear your voice. We thank you, Father. We love you, Father. We lift you up. It is in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. The fruit of freedom. Now, uh, the Apostle Paul, as you know, has got two things going. He is, at the same time, trying to defend his, uh, his uh, apostleship while also trying to teach these newly converted saints what it means to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. Now remember, he doesn't have a manuscript. He doesn't have a book of duties. He doesn't have an orientation package. What he has is the word of God as then published uh, the first five books, and he has his teaching that, he, that he's gotten from Jesus from a three-year intensive training, and then after that, uh, all his preaching time. Uh, Paul is talking to people who didn't know how to do anything except follow the rules. Now, if you've ever seen uh, a basketball game played by professionals, you see there's a certain rhythm and flow to the game. Uh, they understand boundaries. They understand what you're supposed to do. Uh, they understand when you're supposed to dribble. They understand when you're supposed to shoot. They have, they have sort of an in knowledge because they're what? Professional basketball players. Go to an elementary school and go to uh, recess uh, with seven-year-olds and put them on a basketball court, same court that the professors play on, same goals, same nets, same rules, and say play. And it looks like a fire drill of ants. People are going everywhere. They're throwing, they're running, they're grabbing. They're... Paul says, when you get saved, you're like that. You don't really understand the rules of the game. Paul says, and you'll never understand it because you need the teaching and the, and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, somebody to help you. He said, now what it looks like to you is that if you can ever get to the place where you know all the rules, that you'll be excellent at the game. Not true. Just because you know how to play basketball doesn't mean you play it at the level pros do. So Paul says, all of us are striving as Christians to get to a level where we understand and do it. He said, I'm going to teach you today how to do that and why you ought to do it. Now, Paul uh, you should think about Paul uh, in this particular lesson as your HR person. So the HR person tells you not only what the rules of the company are, but the HR person also explains to you what your benefit package includes. All right? Here are the rules. You got to be to work on time. You got to do, do what you're supposed to do. You can't do like some of us and then tell about the Lord going to bless you. Get there at 10, take a break at 1030. 
uh, have a make a personal phone call at 11, go to lunch at 11.45 and get back at 2 o'clock and then say, I don't know why they won't promote me. Well, promote you because you're sorry. You won't follow the rules. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, you're, you're lazy. So Paul says, I'm going I'm to tell you what this looks like and then let you follow. He said, because there are people who are telling you that because you're acting like the seven-year-olds the first time you ever played basketball, that you'll never get it. And they have you thinking, I'll never measure up. So the best thing for me to do is just follow the rules like they were doing. Paul says, no, it's, 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 it's better than that. We have a way forward. Now, Paul says um, that what it, or, or the lesson it's going to try to teach us today how to um, live a, a life pleasing to God. Please understand this, and, and you'll, get the, you'll see this as we go through. The flesh, that is your personal human nature, and the spirit, that spirit side of you, that connected to God's spirit, are at war. What is it good for? Abs- oh, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> they're at war, and the prize, get this, is your soul. The enemy desires to have your soul. God desires to have your soul. The soul belongs to him because he produced it. But because you have free will, you are a free moral agent, you are able to choose not to follow God if you want to. In God good. You're not forced to be saved. You're not forced to be a Christian. Get this. You're not forced to live a Christian life after you become a Christian. You can get saved, fall out in the, in the aisle, roll all the way up down the aisle and all the way back, all the way up to Hunter Street and back down to the altar and go out tomorrow and do whatever you want to do because God won't stop you. That's a sober and scary thing. You have free will. If you don't have free will, this is more like you are a robot. You're not compelled. So Paul says, since you aren't compelled, I got to give you a way to do it without you, think you thinking you can do it by just following rules. Galatian believers, watch this before we get to the lesson. <clears throat> Galatian believers were trying to get right with God by keeping the law. They had been delivered from the dictates of the law, but they felt like they could, they could be right with God if they followed the law. They had really actually restricted and confined themselves. They were so scared to live that they were doing nothing because there were those outside saying, oh, you didn't follow one of the 613 things you're supposed to do today. You didn't wash your hands for 41 seconds and 41 minutes and 15 seconds. You didn't say the prayer at the right time. And you all noticed if you ever watched um, uh, Muslims when they are uh, during the day, they stop at a certain time, everybody all over the world and pray. Now, without being critical of anybody, you know that if you pray at a certain time, because it becomes because it's routine, it'll become routine. And you aren't praying because you want to talk to God. You're praying because it's three o'clock. I'm not being critical of anybody. I'm just saying I know how human beings are because I know how I am. Right? Anything that's routine becomes habitual. Anything becomes habitual. At some point, you're not getting anything out of it. You just do it because you you'll do it. Have you ever? Uh, sit down sometimes and you watch a television show 
because you always watch it at a certain time, uh, a certain night, and at the end of it, you say, oh, what did they talk about tonight? I just think it's because it's, it's just routine and rote. All right. Have you ever uh, found yourself leaving your house, driving to work, get to work, park, and get out, and can't remember what happened between the house and work? It's routine. What Paul is saying is this lifestyle of being a Christian is not routine. It's not rote. It's not something you can, you can list down. It's a lifestyle, but you don't have to try to check off boxes every day and sit down at night and go through what, whether or not you sinned today, what did you do that was good, what did you do that was bad, add it up. Am I, is I, do I have more good than bad? If I have more good, I'm still saved. If I don't, i got to get back resaved. No, that's not how it works. Paul says, let me help you. Paul says, I'm going to help you all today. All right. Paul says this is this is a war between flesh and spirit, between God and the and the, and the evil one. Uh, but it's but but it's not a church competition. We're not in competition with other Christians. All right. We're not trying to out Christian First Baptist Church. All right? We're not trying to out Christian world changes. Berean. We're not trying to out Christian them. We're just trying to live a saved life so that when we stand before God. We get in, all right? The church can sometimes teeter-totter between competing against other church people. I'll tell you how that works. We mostly take in the church people from other churches. We rarely take into our church people who we met on the street or met while doing evangelism or in a revival. It's mostly somebody who said, the pastor preached something last week that I don't like or somebody on the motherboard Told me my shirt skirt was too short. I'm gonna come over here, right? That's what happens. So, so, so Paul says, if you live a rule life, that's what you'll get. People are just gonna move like they do in football and basketball from team to team. I don't like they're not throwing me the ball enough, so I'm gonna hold out until they trade me. They're not. And same thing with with a job. You go in the job one day, and somebody has the unmitigated gall to tell you you've been late three times this week, and you suck your teeth and say, "Well, I'll just go somewhere else." Yeah, but if you're late over here, you're going to probably be late over there. So Paul says, we're not competing like that among Christians. He said, I want you to live a life that's pleasing to God. Now let's see how, Paul, how do we do that, all right? So, so Paul first explains this, uh, uh, this, this, this dilemma of the Christian and the internal conflict. Let's start in verse 16 of Galatians 5. You with me so far? Sorry for the long introduction, but I thought we might want to Level set this before we go forward. All right. The Christian and the internal conflict. Here's some good advice for Christians. Verse 16. This I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, Paul is, uh, this, the bridge here is in chapter four, he just told them, you all are supposed to be saved. And living a Christian life, but you are at war with each other. Y'all are actually over there pulling each other's uh, 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 hair out and flipping over tables and acting crazy because you can't agree on doctrinal matters. He says, you got to stop that. He says, what you got to do then, if you truly are saved, then walk in the capital S spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And when you hear flesh, don't always think of sexual impropriety. He's talking about your mind body desires, things that you uh, do because you want to do them. Okay, watch this. Paul says, the Christian life <clears throat> begins with the Holy Spirit. 
The only way to continue in the Christian life is by the power of the Holy Spirit. You with me? It begins with the Holy Spirit coming for and taking up residence with you. And then you live under the power of the Holy Spirit. Now watch that. Understand now. Being under the power of the Holy Spirit is not being under the dictatorship of the Holy Spirit. You still decide. <clears throat> you are a free moral agent. What happens though is the Holy Spirit tells you when you're about to make decisions, now you know that's wrong. But he's not going to prevent you because the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. Not going to prevent you, but you will hear, you know that's wrong. Right? Right. You don't. You don't have. You don't have to get up at, at two o'clock. Get dressed. Drive all the way across town to the no-tail motel. Knock on the door. The door opens and then say, "Oh Lord, no, no, no!" Before you left Duluth, right? You knew better, right? Okay. Paul says, he says, if you walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill. Paul says, I guarantee you, you won't do it. And and Paul says, I'm not just talking about. <clears throat> Lust in terms of, uh, of again, sexual impropriety, but, you know, all, all sin is lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. That's the whole sin, okay? Don't get hung up on one aspect because it'll, the devil would use that to kind of throw you off. All right. Paul says, uh, if, we, if we live by the Spirit, we'll want to satisfy the Spirit and not ourselves. No matter what that is, we want to follow the Holy Spirit's direction. Uh, sometimes, I get irritated with that GPS girl because she's taking me a certain way that I say, now I know doggone well, this is not, I've been to this place before. And I will ignore her, uh, elder love, and go another way. And, and she says, you left the appointed route. You want me to recalculate? Or you want to cancel. And you know, because I'm, you know, man, I say, cancel. I know where I'm going. <laughs> and 20 minutes later, when you're in Ludowisi, Georgia, you call Siri back and say, can you help me? But I had the choice. Your GPS does not drive your car. You have to do, it says, in a quarter mile, turn left on Cottrell Drive. And you say, that ain't right. No, I'm turning right. This don't, and we'll say things like, this doesn't seem right. That's what happens with us in daily living. The Holy Spirit, God, gives you directions. Hey, and, and you always get the direction before you get to the place of decision. You're going to turn in a quarter mile. Start getting over. Don't do like folks do that, that drive with me, apparently. And get turned when they get right there and come across three lanes, right? And make you speak in a known tongue. That, he said, you are our law, because God never threatens. He always warns. Never threatens. And by the way, God is so good at God that if you miss your turn, God will come back on the mic and say, recalculating. Not recalculating, idiot. That's what I would say if I, if I were director. God's not like that. He's sweet. He says, recalculating. He says, at your next opportunity, make a legal U-turn. Go back. Right? 
That's the grace of God. Because if it was us, we'd be like, okay, I'm going to let you run the river. Next time you'll know. Paul says, there's this tug of war. He said, but if you, if you listen to the Spirit, you won't turn left when you're supposed to turn right. And you won't be fussing other people in the car who say, you need to take that list. And you say, who's driving? You are, but you don't know where you're going. Go ahead. All right. Paul says, this conflict is such that you understand that you can't do it by yourself. You're not Superman. You're not Superwoman. There's no such thing as Superman. That's by Johnny Guitar Watson. No such thing. You've got to listen to the Spirit. You can also turn the GPS off. It's available. But if you think you know where you're going, you turn it off. And the GPS doesn't automatically come on. That's how it is as we live. You've got to be willing to listen. All right, let's go to the next sort of uh, thing Paul tells us. And now he's really getting into the Christian's character. He says, that this goes back to our metaphor with the GPS, but if ye be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Uh, after declaring that there is a constant spiritual conflict between our flesh and the indwelling Holy Spirit, Paul tells his Galatian readers they can have spiritual victory if they are led by the Spirit. This means we have to, watch this, and y'all don't like this because you're free moral agents. We have to surrender to the will of the Holy Spirit. What gets us is we will go to the Spirit or we'll pray and ask God what we should do. And then God gives us an answer and we say, I, I, no, I'm not going to do that now. I didn't think he was going to tell me that I'm not doing that. I, that's okay, God. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate your input. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> now, we do that and you end up looking crazy, but it ain't God's fault. All right? So watch this now. When Paul says here, um, uh, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law, he's talking about these rules and regulations. He's not saying there are no rules and regulations. He's just saying you don't have to keep the ones that are written in the Torah. He's not saying you get to be, be, wild and, be a wild and crazy guy. Right? So we continue in saying that grace may abound. Book of Romans says, God, what? Forbid. You don't have license to act a fool and then say, I'm not under the law. I can do whatever I want. It. No, 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 no. It doesn't work like that. Paul says you got to be careful. Just, just because you're not under the law, you can't be a person who's just, just wild and crazy. Paul says in, in this verse that the spirit of God, not the law, should control the saint of God. You don't have to look it up. You can consult the spirit. You don't have to know how to read to be saved. You don't have to have taken a single class that Elder Frazier taught or, 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 or Elder Wonsby taught. You, you can be saved by giving your life to Christ. What we like to do to people is to say, you're now saved. Here's the Baptist manifesto. Here's the AME Zion manifesto. Here's what you have to do to be saved like we are. Paul says, it's not necessary. It's good, but it's not critical. All right? Let's go another again. Paul says, now he says, um, verse 19, he says, in case you're wondering, in case you can't figure out how it looks when you're on the wrong team, he says, the works, now notice he used the word works. He says, now verse 19, the works of the flesh. 
Here's what, it will, you will, what will be produced if you live a life dedicated to the human side of yourself. Here's what will be produced. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Now Paul is, is listing some, but not all, of the things that will be produced when you are unrestrained. Paul, Paul says, I'm not saying you're going to... Everybody who's not saved will do all of these. He said, but they'll do some of these, and you will too if you're unrestrained. Now, Paul says, uh, Paul says it falls in, a, in, in the several categories. It falls in the category of sexual sins, religious sins, relational sins, and later on I think he talks about drinking sins. Sexual sins, religious sins, relational sins, and when I'm in the general category of sort of drinking sins or drug sins, whether you're under the influence of some agent you put in your body on purpose. All right, Paul says, here's how they, they he said, those are the works. He says, but, but, uh, he says, the works of the flesh are manifest. And, and I like that word because you all know it's been sort of popularized lately. Folks are walking around manifesting stuff. Uh, or they say, you know, do certain things, you manifest and say over and over, you say it over and over, and you got a vision board and all that. Okay, be careful. We're going to talk about it a little later. Be careful with that because that's a little bit of witchcraft. Not totally, but be careful. Not, not accusing about a practicing witchcraft. It's, it's fine to have faith. It's fine to have goals. It's fine to have a vision board. It's fine to have all that. But be careful your life isn't controlled by the thing. Right? You can manifest all you want to, but if God doesn't say yes, the answer is still no. Why are you manifesting? <laughs> it still needs to be pleasing to God, okay? Because you talk yourself into something by saying, I'm just being a positive person. I'm just being, uh, uh, I'm just declaring. I'm just putting it in the atmosphere, okay? Be careful because that's a trick. It's a slippery slope, all right? By the way, this list Paul gave is not exhaustive. It's not every work of the flesh. That's just some but they are representatives of the works of the flesh. He could have added other sins, but he don't have, you know, he only got so much room. All right? So he first talks about this, an illicit relationship involving two or more married people, uh, one or more married people. Now remember, in Jesus' ministry, he dealt with two adulterous women. So it must be something about this that he wants us to, to think about because both of them had different circumstances. One was caught in the act of adultery. The other was living with somebody else's husband. The woman at the well wasn't caught in the act. She admitted it. She was living with someone. The woman that he caught, that they caught while they were doing that, uh, had that um, uh, early morning anointing, uh, uh, that Shirley Murdoch anointing, she was caught in the act. All right? In the one with the woman at the well, both the man and the woman were guilty. They both knew it. And in neither case was the man there. But in both cases, God dealt with the woman. Say go back. That's not that's not a, a a gender issue. I'm just telling you. For some reason, Jesus two times wanted us to highlight the fact that he's dealing with this because it's so prevalent. Okay, it's such a prevalent sin, and, and it's one of the big ten. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Now, why is that important? Why does it in this society? People say, what difference does it make? People have the right to do it because it affects the foundation of the family, which is God's foundation for having His work in the earth. If it affects the family, that particular sin can destroy a family, right? So God's concerned about it, and he's telling these folks in Galatia, 
where adultery is prevalent because there's no sexual restraint in the Greek culture. And they're heavily influenced by the Greek culture. The Greeks had prostitutes at the temple. The temple of Isis, the temple of Athena. They had working prostitutes at the temple. Plying their trade at the temple. So Paul said, be careful. He said, those are, those are works of the flesh. He said, just because you live in Galatia, don't act like a Galatian. Be careful. Then he talks about fornication, sort of general sexual sin. That's any sexual sin before y'all start categorizing it as, as gender-based. Any sexual sin, he said, is sin. Then he talks about uncleanness. We know what that is. Lasciviousness is that, uh, those things that excite evil desires. Um, and then uh, he jumps down to verse 20 and gets into some, some very particular stuff that they were doing, dealing with back in that time, but we also deal with now. Paul says, let me continue my list. Because I know y'all think you got away. So let me add something to the list. Paul says, here's some other works of the flesh. Idolatry. Witchcraft. Watch this. Hatred. Variance. Emulations. Wrath. Strife. Oh, God, Paul. Seditions. Heresies. I know the Galatians were like, we'd be glad when he get out of jail. But he just sit down all day. <laughs> I hope he hurry up and get out. Come preach. Because he has time to think. Right? Now, here's the thing. Paul comes close. He comes close to accusing the Jews of being involved in all these. And the one that would have irritated them more than any was idolatry. Thou shalt have no other God before me. So when you walk around these little tiny God representations, that's idolatry. When you go down to the island and they have the little thing that they sell, be careful, that's idolatry. Anything that you treat as if it's God, that you pray to or that you are influenced by, that's an idol. By the way, an idol can also be a person. So you got some of these gospel superstars. Be careful because we're so devastated when they fall, not because of the sin, but because we had them up held up as equal to Jesus. If you say you have no sin, first John says what? You lie. When you hold these people up, not talking about reverencing them, they should have, you should reverence them. If they say they speak God and, and what they speak is of God, they get to be reverenced. You don't have to reverence them now if they say they speak God's word and they lie. We show, show, but when they fall, we're so devastated because we have them in a category different than yours. Nobody, they're not gradations in Christianity. Nobody's any more saved than anybody else. It's just that some people can, are, are, are more influenced by the spirit than others. Okay? Paul says, be careful with idolatry. Then Paul talks about witchcraft. Now, he's not just putting in this category when y'all go down to New Orleans to the uh, Essence Festival and come back with that uh, goof of dust and blue magic dusting powder. Uh, that's a real thing. Y'all can look that up. Uh, yeah, that's a real thing. People think they can hex you. You better get the hex out of here. Um, you can't hex me. Um, Paul says, witchcraft is sorcery that deals with charms, and the use of drugs 
to cause trances. Um, voodoo, hoodoo, voodoo, they do. All of that. And for some of us, as you're talking to people, that's cultural. Uh, they may have grown up in Haiti. Not saying everybody grew up in Haiti involved in stuff. But they may have grown up in New Orleans. Could have grown up in any place where people wanted to get into a trance. All right? By taking drugs or not. Now, what's, what's happened is very subtly in our culture, um, uh, because the, the enemy is subtle. So the enemy can't get you one way, it gets you another way. So the enemy knows that the habitual use of marijuana, not for a medicinal purpose, has an adverse effect on your brain. The use of marijuana, not for a medicinal purpose, glaucoma, has an adverse impact on your brain. So since the enemy couldn't get it to you the other way, they made it legal. So now we have a whole generation of young people who smoke every day. Not cigarettes. Smoke marijuana every day. And it's popular. And it's not condemned. And people don't think anything of it. One of the most well-known spokespeople commercially right now is Snoop Doggy Dog. Walter Broad, Broad, Broadus. And he will tell you that's all he does all day. Most of the most of the most successful rappers will tell you, I get high every day. You don't really get high, you get low. Every time you turn your brain over to a substance, there's a problem. Your brain is able to fully function without the need of outside stimuli, but when you do that, you lose function. Paul says, it's hard to live a saved life and, and get involved in witchcraft or this or this ability to turn yourself over to something else. Now, I'm not saying because you smoke dope, you're not safe. I'm just saying that Paul says you're going, it's going to lead you down a path where folks aren't going to be able to tell which side you're on if you're doing what everybody else is doing. Paul says, be careful with this blue magic dusting pile because that whole witchcraft, that's the Greek word pharmakia where we get the word pharmacy. That's drugs. So I'm not making this up. When he talks about witchcraft, he's talking about drug addiction and drug use. <clears throat> All occult practices, by the way, were forbidden to the ancient Israelites because God knew what was going to happen. So when you wake up in the morning and read your horrible scope, that's a form of witchcraft. Your life is not controlled by the alignment of the stars. You reading your horrible scope and somebody in prison reading their horrible scope, y'all got the same birthday, somebody lying. You will come into some money today. Not if I'm in jail for the rest of my life. No, I'm not. But you're reading your horrible scope. And you get, you know, this becomes a part of popular culture because you're up out on the dance floor trying to do the hully gully, trying to do the snake and the smooth and the swim, and you say, hey, girl, what's your sign here? And she says, stop. That's my sign. And, and people know what their zodiac sign is over and above knowing one scripture. It seeps in the culture. And Paul says, I know where y'all live. I've been to Galatia. I know what's going on down there. I'm not stupid. When we were growing up and our parents were teaching us, what they weren't just because they didn't do it. Just because they didn't get drunk doesn't mean they didn't know what liquor was. They knew. They just said, no, Paul says, I know, I know what's out there. I'm not crazy. I can see. He said, but I'm just asking you all. 
Let the spirit lead you away from it. And I'm not telling you to condemn the people who are in it. Try to get them saved. Paul says, hatred. By the way, Paul basically says, if you hate people, he said, that's a work of the flesh. That's not a work of the spirit. So if you can't stand for me to ride on the bus with you, marry your daughter, go to your school, eat where you eat, go through the same door you go through, Paul says, that's a work of the flesh. Southern Baptist Convention. That's a work of the flesh. Paul says, don't say you hate me and then say you love me. You lie. This is impossible. Uh, okay. Paul says, um, um, uh, uh, be careful with hatred. That's having, having this deep-seated animosity for other people. I do not understand how people live through through the institution of slavery and call themselves Christians. I will never understand, not from a political perspective, how in the world could the ownership of a person, how could you find support for that in the word? And say, well, they, they had slaves in the Bible. Yeah, but you're not in the Bible. You're living now. We've, we're free from that. You got, you got to deal with that. And I know you don't want anybody to teach it in school and we can't talk about critical race theory. I'm talking about critical Christian theory. How can you say you were a Christian and get up in the pulpit every Sunday and preach the word of God and not condemn slavery? Because slavery had all of the stuff Paul listed above. Because if you are a married master in the house and you went down to the slave quarters and took a concubine and produced children, that's adultery. The fact that she was a slave doesn't make it less adultery. Come on now. I'm just asking you because people try to act like they don't understand why there are people, not a lot of our young people, who reject the gospel and reject Christianity. It's because of stuff like this. We got to explain to them that's an evil work. We got to tell them what Paul says that was, that was not a work of Christianity, sweetie. That was a work of the flesh with the devil's influence. Don't ever equate those people with being true Christians. They were not. Tell them I said it. You couldn't have been. Not because I said, it. Paul says, hatred, that's a work of the flesh. Paul goes on and says, variance, that is, and I can't stand people like this, people love to argue. Well, let me be the devil's advocate. No, you're just the devil. I don't feel that arguing and quarreling with you today. Hush. Which my mother always says, shut up. I want to hear all that today now. Y'all just like to fuss about anything. You know, well, brother, pastor, I think, oh, God, just be quiet. Emulations, that, that emulation is, is, is from the Greek word zealous, Z-E-L-O-S, where we get our Greek, where we get our English word zealous and jealous, selfish zeal, self-promotion. Look at me, see me, I'm the greatest. I'm, I'm, you, know, you got a Muhammad Ali spirit. I'm the greatest of all time. You got that kind of spirit. Paul says, that's not a work, that's not confidence. Paul says, that's a work of the flesh. Then we know about seditions, all kind of divisions, and then heresies. Paul is saying you can't go around teaching, uh, by the way, to my black Hebrew brothers, you can't go around teaching false beliefs and pretend that's God. Now, I see y'all on the corner. I know you're dressed in all your garb. I've been studying y'all, and y'all are lying. And so give me a call. We can talk about it. But this, this whole idea is crazy. No, not crazy, excuse me. Whole idea is in, is in error. I shouldn't have said crazy. I apologize to all y'all who are in there. All right. 
Heresies refer to any false belief that spread, and look what they do. They call destructive divisions. You always notice that any kind of movement that comes up like that, it's never a movement of love. It's always a movement of division to walk in and say, Vicki, you've been wrong all your life. Sharon, you've been wrong all your life. You've been wrong. You've been taught wrong. You are wrong. Y'all wrong. Y'all got to come over here. We're the only ones that know the right, right, know the right way. No, I've got this. Thank you. I don't need you, sir. I've got a Bible. Old folks just say, I, old folks just say if I die and my soul be lost, Nobody's fault but mine. Verse 1 says, I got a Bible I can read. So that's what these people teach when they come up with all this crazy stuff. Y'all remember one time there was a laughing spirit that was going around? People you know, doing a lot of laughing and then all these other movements. Paul says, we see you. Verse 21. He says, by the way, let me continue with my list. Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of which I tell you before, as I told you in the past, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So when your young people come to you and say, what are you telling me about church for? There are people in the church who are involved in envying where you say, yes, they're not following God either. Neither are you. Right? Just because they're driving over the cliff, you don't drive over the cliff too, cliff too to prove that you like them. I'm trying to get them out and you too, honey child. But when you talk to young people, for the most part, they point out flaws in the church. And, they, and I always say, you can talk about church people all you want to. I'm talking about Jesus, though. I don't have a church person I can point you to and tell you to follow them. Paul says, follow me. How? As I follow Christ. Y'all quit pointing them to people in the church. You need to be more like Aunt Susie. Because we flew around CH News around the back of the house taking a pinch of snuff. Right? We're not the standard. Touch your neighbor and say, cute as you are, you're not the standard. Paul says, this is not of God. All right? Uh, revelings, that my mom used to call that carousing. Y'all know what that is. Uh, you leave at 10 and come back at 3. Uh, and then you get mad because we want you to leave our house because I can't sleep because you're out all times of the day or night and the alarm goes off. Uh, you, and I can't do it. So Paul says, what this basically comes down to, in essence, is a lack of self-control. And, and you try to justify by saying, well, everybody else was doing it. So I did it. And your mom will say, if, if they tell you to jump in the lake, will you jump in the lake? And the dumb ones of us say, yes, ma'am. I see you missed the whole point of the analogy, boy. No! Don't destroy yourself and then say, well, Junebug was doing it. That won't help you. Paul says, Paul said, listen, watch this contrast and then we're done. We got to quit. 944. Paul said, look at the contrast. He said, the fruit of the spirit. Watch this now. He says, here's how you know you're connected to the vine. You produce love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Paul says, all of this stuff, he says, meekness, on verse 23, temperance, against such there is no law, and, and meekness is not talking about weakness. And then Paul says in our final verse that, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. Uh, Paul is not saying people who are Christians are perfect. Paul is, not, is saying that people who are Christians could do certain things, they choose not to do it. And it's not that they're better than you, they're just making choices. 
I, I went to the doctor this week for my annual checkup. The doctor gave me certain, uh, you know, readings from my scores and all that stuff. Uh, and, and, they, you know, they, they, they measure you to a standard that nobody can reach. <laughs> but the doctor gave me certain advice, but the doctor can't force me to do it. Here's a prescription. You don't have to take it. It'll do you, it'll do you well. You got to take it. Paul said, you don't have to do any of this. He said, but if you do, you will produce a certain fruit. And I like, I like the fact that Paul used fruit as an analogy because fruit is sweet. Fruit is so sweet, you taste it before you bite it. Paul says, you will know how people feel about you whether you're producing the fruit of the Spirit because people will gravitate to you. If you're at work and you always eat by yourself and nobody ever says, may I sit down here with you, you're producing something, but it ain't fruit. So Paul says, we're not restricted. We can do whatever we want to do, but lean on the Holy Spirit so that you will do what you're supposed to do. And that, my friend, is how you live what the old folks call a sanctified life. Amen. See you next week. Be blessed.